another mini-sode of Murder, Myth, and Mystery. I'm your raspy-voiced host, Sarah, and I'm joined today with Mary. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. You guys, she was actually like three rooms away and just booked it in here to say it's hi. That's true, that's true. Fergie had my mic. So. It was a diving hello. And I'm also joined with Eric. Hello. Hold up. You're not just joined with Eric. I'm, you, I have the privilege. Correction, that is also true. But you are also joined by the birthday boy. Don't it's his da-da-da. birthday today. It is my birthday today. Happy birthday. Oh, yay. Are you doing anything special? Nope. Mary works, you know. Yeah. We're so. celebrating on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. besides opening presents and whatnot. Nice. Yeah. Exactly. I celebrate by eating good food, so. Mm. All the food. All the food. I want to real quick just give a thank you to Nicole for the gift. You are so sweet, Nicole. Thank you so much. She really is. Ugh, that girl. She's always giving us stuff. Always. She gave me the best gift on my birthday. Yeah, she's so cute. So sweet. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Nicole. You are the best. We love. Yes. For sure. She sends us great stuff, and she also sends the dogs cute things. Like, they love that taco squeaky toy. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and she's got the cutest Doberman pincher. Oh, Coda. gosh, I love Coda. the pictures. Yes, Coda's just so sweet looking. I just want to give her big face snuggles, just Ooh. grab her by the cheeks, and yeah. She's a good pup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we gaga over dogs. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. Let's gaga over what we have today. Okay, yeah, what you do guys. we have? Well, this is this a rough story. I'm just going to start off by saying that. It does involve an underage girl. Mm. So just kind of prepare yourself ahead of time for it because it's, it's pretty bad. little trigger warning there. Yeah, a little trigger warning. Like, it, it was hard to get through. So Who are you talking about? So today I'm going to talk about Sylvia Likens. Oh, yeah. And this was recommended to us by Christina Fisher. So thank you, Christina. And it really, I mean, it's a difficult story, but it's pretty mind-blowing. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. And this is her patron request, yes, right? Yes, patron yeah. request. Yeah. So thank you so much for the request and being a patron. Yeah. So and I am aware of that story. It's... Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way around it. It's just yikes. There's no way to so. make this fuzzy happy, huh? No. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. So let's jump in. Settle on in, everybody. Yeah. Roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Get your tissues. (laughs) On October 26, 1965, Sylvia Likens, a 16-year-old teenager, was found dead on a filthy mattress at 3850 East New York Street in Indiana. Resident Gertrude Banaszewski told authorities that a group of boys had beaten and killed Likens. The teen's body had over 100 cuts and bruises, And the words, I am a prostitute, were carved into her body. Wow. She also appeared malnourished. Upon further investigation, there was much more to this tragic tale than what was originally thought. Man. 16 years old. 16. Wow. All right. Yeah, here we go. Sylvia Likens was born on January 3rd, 1949. She was the third of five children to carnival workers Lester Cecil Likens and Elizabeth Betty Francis. Both her older siblings, Diana and Danny, and her younger siblings, Jenny and Benny, 
were fraternal twins. So she, Jenny and Benny. Jenny okay. and Benny, yeah. So she she had a bunch of twins in the family. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Sylvia's parents, like I said, were both carnival workers and therefore were on the road more than they, they were not. They struggled to make ends meet, and her father, Lester, only had an eighth grade education, mm. which was difficult with five kids to care for. Oh, right. absolutely. Your, your jobs are, uh, yeah, the, the job opportunities are kind of slim pickings. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So the family was poor, and her parents' marriage was rocky. They had financial problems after moving from one location to another. It also didn't help that Jenny had polio. So that's the younger oh, sister. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, hospital bills. Holy right? cow. So when they had worked with the carnival, Lester and Betty would board Sylvia and Jenny out, often having them stay with relatives such as grand- their grandmother so they could keep up with their schoolwork and have some sense of stability. Sylvia would work to earn money, often babysitting or ironing. You know, standard teenage girl yeah. stuff. Well, I don't know yeah. about the irony thing, but the babysitting. Yeah. I totally iron for my mom, like back when you iron pillowcases. I don't know who does that now. Who irons pillowcases? Right? I think my mom did it just to give me something to do. I went through a phase in junior high of like ironing everything I yeah. had. I don't know why. Like my t shirts and jeans and stuff, whatever. Yeah. You know? She wouldn't let me near my dad's shirts, but she'd let me iron the pillowcases and give me like. <laughs> That's all she trusted. 20, you with. Yeah. I, so I, I don't think anyone actually does. That I think she was just trying to give me some money. <laughs> Everybody wants a cool. nice, smooth iron right. pillowcase because you know they get so wrinkly. It's so annoying. <laughs> Gotta... I can't sleep on a wrinkly pillowcase. So. <laughs> no. And why would you when you could iron it? Seriously. <laughs> so in July 1965, Lester and Betty were separated, and Sylvia and Jenny were living with their mother. Being on hard times, their mother chose to shoplift and was consequently arrested and jailed. Oh. A new opportunity had just come up with the carnival, and Lester took this opportunity to try to work on his marriage with Betty. So I guess she was coming with them, even though... She had the shoplifting. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, yeah, shoplifting isn't going to get you a no, long sentence or anything. So, I mean, yeah. It's more fines and all that exactly, stuff. Exactly. So. More trouble than they need. At this time, the oldest sister, Diana, had moved out and was married, and the two boys, Danny and Benny, were living with their grandparents. That left finding someone to care for Sylvia and Jenny. With few other options, the girls were sent to stay with a family friend named Gertrude Banaszewski. Hmm. Hmm. Gertrude lived in a large rented house with her seven children. There was Paula, who was 17, Stephanie, who was 15, John, who was 12, Mary, who was 11, Shirley, who was 10, James, who was 8, and Dennis Lee Wright Jr., who was only a few months old. Oh, they took a break. Yeah. From popping oh, out she, kids. <laughs> mind you, she was like a three times divorced woman. She had many different husbands. So, oh, all right. Yeah. Like the last one was from her most recent abusive husband. Oh, okay. Who left her already. But gotcha. Yeah. That's why he has the different last name, but uh, she wanted to seem respectable. So. Oh, of course. But yeah. I mean, gosh, all these kids are like a year or two at most yeah. between the next and one. Or Gertrude, Gertrude was only 37 years old too. Oh, so. wow. That's a, a bunch I mean, of kids I, to be popping out. Yeah. I mean, I guess back in the 60s that's kind of normal i don't know 50s 60s yeah i mean but 37 is still how many kids was i mean it was seven seven kids yeah Yeah. i mean hey 
So yeah, I know people have had about that many kids. I mean, she, yeah. living in Utah, that's normal. No, I mean that's not like jaw dropping. Seven kids by thirty is normal yeah. in Utah. So. It's like good for you. <laughs> Get her done. <laughs> so Gertrude quickly agreed to take in and look after Sylvia and Jenny in exchange for $20 a week, which I did the math. Yeah. It's only about $160 today. It's not a lot of money. Yeah, no, but I mean, but I mean, it's I guess it's back a, then. Well, I mean, $20 a week back yeah. then. So, like, I mean, I guess it's enough for groceries and. Yeah, but I mean, back in the 60s, you know, rent or home. Yeah, everything's know, a lot cheaper. Mortgages were way so. cheap. I mean, even with inflation considered, they were so much more affordable. True. So, Lester knew Gertrude was also poor, but was thrilled to have someone to watch over his girls. So, he didn't inquire to the condition of her home or how the girls would be living. Hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah. Gertrude made little cash by charging her neighbors a few dollars to iron their laundry. She had already been through multiple divorces, as I mentioned, some of which resulted in physical abuse against her and dealt with a crippling depression through heavy doses of prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. So this woman, you know, she's got some issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was in no condition to take care of two, two teenage girls. The Lycans, though, didn't think they had any other choice. <sighs> Lester Lycans cryptically requested that Banashevsky straighten his daughters out, and he then placed them there for $20 a week. Straighten them out? Yeah, and I found that in a couple of places. It doesn't sound like these girls, like... So Sylvia had the nickname of Cookie and was just kind of a nice, sweet, bubbly girl, and Jenny was really quiet... Kind of kept to herself, and you know she walked with a limp because of the polio. Right, right, yeah. But these girls definitely didn't seem like problem children. They need to be straightened out. They're out of control teenage girls. Yeah, well, maybe no. maybe they're a little boy crazy yeah. or something. But I mean, geez, they're teenage girls, so right. So consider yourself lucky if they're just boy crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> As opposed to standard teenage girl crazy. Right. <laughs> Ooh, that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> So, for the first two weeks, the Banaszewskis, Sylvia, and her sister were treated kindly enough, though Gertrude's oldest daughter, Paula, who I said she's 17, seemed to butt heads with Sylvia often. The girls spent their days outside at the parks or listening to records. Sylvia helped around the house as much as she could by doing dishes and tidying up the rooms. But after the second week, when their dad's check for $20 failed to arrive, Gertrude took the girls upstairs and began slapping both of them, saying, Well, I took care of you two bitches for two weeks for nothing. Whoa. Yeah. Mind you, their dad's money order for $20 arrived the very next day, but actions had already been set in motion, and Gertrude, frail and underweight and suffering from the depression, held a grudge, and Sylvia would bear the weight of that rage. (sighs) Gertrude soon began to abuse both Sylvia and Jenny in broad daylight. Whenever Sylvia or Jenny would do something Gertrude did not approve of, such as cashing in glass soda bottles at the grocery store, she would get out a large wooden paddle or a thick leather belt, which had been left behind by an ex-husband who was a former police officer, and she would beat the girls. Gertrude, as I mentioned, was a frail woman, and she was often too exhausted or too weak to quote-unquote discipline the girls herself. So she would have her daughter Paula step in and do it for her. She's got the 17-year-old beating the shit Uh out of these girls. 
Sylvia, however, soon became the sole focus of the abuse. Jenny was possibly spared the abuse due to her polio. Yeah. Thank goodness. Oh, wow. How lovely. Right. Yeah. Like, well, just beat the one sister, I guess. Yeah. Just don't beat either. <sighs> it's so gross. So Gertrude actually demanded that Jenny join in, lest she take her sister's place as the brunt of the abuse. What? Mm-hmm. Gertrude accused Sylvia of stealing from her and burned the girl's fingertips. She took her to a church function and force-fed her free hot dogs until she was sick. Then, as a punishment for throwing up the food, she forced her to eat her own vomit. Oh. Gertrude encouraged not only her own children to participate in the beatings of Sylvia, but she also let in other neighborhood children to participate. The children would take turns practicing their judo on Sylvia or hurling, hurling her into walls, practicing their chokeholds, and even knocking her unconscious with a broom handle. Gertrude started extinguishing her cigarettes on Sylvia's skin, and soon others joined in, with Gertrude watching on, laughing and urging them to greater levels of abuse. Oh my god. Paula used her as a punching bag, hitting her with enough force to break the bones in her own hand. Once her hand was placed in a plaster cast, she used the heavy cast to beat Sylvia even harder. Wow. After abuse, Gertrude would make Sylvia take scalding hot baths so she could be quote-unquote cleansed of her sins. Uh-huh. Her sins. Yeah. Yeah, because she's the sinner here. Yeah. Yeah. Gertrude gave sermons on the evils of sexual immorality while Paula stomped on Sylvia's vagina. What? Paula, who herself was pregnant, accused Sylvia of being with child and mutilated the girl's genitals. Hold on. So the 17-year-old girl is Is, pregnant. Is already pregnant, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Wow. Pot, kettle, black. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so... I don't know. I think I might mention this later on, but I can't remember if I do or not. But, like, they started spreading rumors around the high school that Sylvia was a prostitute. And that, like, made more kids think she was just disgusting. And that's why so many kids were jumping on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, the uh, Gertrude said that she was, that Sylvia was calling her daughters prostitutes. And that was half the reason she was so, like, angry with her. And she was a little liar and... Oh, my hell. Yeah. This woman's a psychopath. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'll just tell you her nickname now because I think you'll appreciate it. I have to make sure I get it right. Okay. Yeah, so Gertrude would eventually get the nickname The Murder Mother. The Murder Mother. Yeah. It almost doesn't do her justice. It, does, it, like, no. it, it should be like the, I don't know. The wicked and vile woman or yeah, something. Yeah, like it makes me sick to my stomach. And like, we're just getting into this. Oh. All right. So fasten your seatbelts. Gertrude's 12-year-old son, John Jr., delighted in forcing the girl to lick his youngest sibling's soiled diapers clean. What? Yeah. Sorry. No, That's I just know. just like, holding back vomit. Yeah, I have. Uh, I can't think about it. I'm going to gag. Oh, my God. Gertrude. I mean, not only yeah. is she a psychopath, but she is forming this in her children as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's no way that they're going to have normal adult. She's encouraging it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no way that these people, these her children even, uh, became you know normal functioning adults. No, 
There's no way. Like, <sighs> so Gertrude labeled Sylvia as a whore, telling people that Sylvia was highly promiscuous and told others she was pregnant. Sylvia was forced to strip naked in the living room and perform lewd acts, include inserting an empty mm. soda bottle into her vagina on at least two different occasions, while the Banashevsky children and the neighborhood children watched. Yeah. Yet she's scold, you know, scolding her for being sexually... Yeah. Yeah, promiscuous, even though yeah. there's no evidence of this no. whatsoever, but... No. Wow. Yeah. Sylvia was beaten so brutally that she lost the ability to control not only her bladder, but also her bowels. When she slept at night, she would wet her mattress, and Gertrude decided that the girl was no longer fit to live with the rest of the children. The 16-year-old girl was then tied up and locked in the basement and kept naked. She was denied the use of a toilet until she could learn to stop soiling her mattress. Sylvia was only untied or released when Gertrude or some other juvenile wished to beat her. Both Gertrude's kids and neighborhood kids enjoyed pushing Sylvia down the stairs, so they would repeatedly force her to climb up the basement stairs and then give her a good shove. Oh my god. Gertrude spread every story she could imagine to the local kids to get them to join in the beatings. She told her daughters that Sylvia had called her a whore and got her daughter's friends to come over and help beat her for it. Hmm. Later during the trial, when all of this is said and done, some of the kids were open about how Gertrude had recruited them. One teenage girl named Anna Sisko recalled how Gertrude told her that Sylvia had been saying, quote unquote, she said my mother went out with all sorts of men and got $5 for going to bed with men. Uh-huh. Anna never bothered to find out if it was true. Gertrude told her, I don't care what you do to Sylvia. She invited her over to her home and just watched Anna throw Syl- Sylvia to the ground, beat her face, and kick her. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just horrific yeah so back to the prostitute thing gertrude told her own children that sylvia was a prostitute and to further torture and humiliate her gertrude then solicited the help of neighborhood boy ricky hobbs who was the second oldest daughter stephanie's boyfriend at the time okay so he was recruited to help write out the words i am a prostitute and proud of it on sylvia's stomach (sighs) Then, so they wrote it on there first, and then Gertrude heated up needles, and they began to burn the words into her flesh. She then ordered Ricky to finish the job. Later, Gertrude would taunt her, telling her that she would never marry because of the words on her body. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there was also, if you look at a picture... The words are across her stomach, but then there's what looks like a backwards three above it. And apparently one of the younger daughters, like the eight-year-old daughter, had started to write something to burn it on her stomach. And it was thought that she was trying to write the word slut. Yeah. And she wrote backwards. She did the three and did a wrong curve on the S or whatever. So there's like a big burnt three above there, too. (sighs) Yeah. 
At one point, Sylvia's older sister, Diana, attempted to see the girls under Gertrude's care, but was turned away at the door. Jenny later reported how Diana snuck food into the basement in which Sylvia was hidden. A neighbor had also reported the incidents to public health nurse who, upon entering the home and not seeing Sylvia, because she was locked in the basement, concluded that nothing was wrong. Banaszewski had also managed to convince the nurse that she had kicked the Lycan's girls out. Uh Aha. Those girls are nothing but trouble. They're nothing but trouble, but they're no longer here. They're not my problem. So don't go looking in my basement. Right, right. Um, When a social worker called to investigate an anonymous report of a girl with running sores on her body, and that's a quote, I don't quite know what running sores. I'm guessing like they're probably pussy. Yeah, Yeah, uh, that's what I think. She was told that Sylvia did have sores all over her body as a result of poor personal hygiene. Uh She was also told that Sylvia had been thrown out of the house because she had become a prostitute. Neighbors later reported hearing banging on the basement walls from what they believed was a shovel, yet they did not report this. Of course not. Because you don't want to get in other people's business, you know? None of our business. Not my problem. I'm all about that business. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm like, what's that? Like peeking over the fence. Oh yeah, Mary and uh, Mary and Fergie are extra Snoopy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they'll sit here in the chair in the front room and like open up the blinds if they hear a sound. <laughs> and both of them, her and the cat, will just stare out the window. And, oh my god, you know, it, it's so funny. They both look real intense. And then like that's so good. Mary will be like, "What do you see out there, Fergie?" And Fergie's like, rrr, 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 rrr. "Yeah, she's like, yeah, because she it only too. grumbles." Yeah. Oh rrr, 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 rrr. my god. Yeah, they're Snoopy. <laughs> Seymour gets into it sometimes too though he'll hop up on the couch and Mary open up the blinds and he'll just stare out the window and be like yeah what is out there the best part though is I don't open all the blinds because we have cathedral windows so they're huge tall blinds I'll only flip like one open Uh because that's way less creepy I know so you can only see our eyes (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds about right my hair banging with a shovel Bet your ass I'm calling right? the popo. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be like something, and then I'm going to be over okay. there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over there, like bringing them cookies, being like, "What's going on?" Hey, hey. I heard a weird noise. Yeah, investigating. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> so other next door neighbors allegedly were aware of how how abused Sylvia looked. They had seen Paula strike the girl in the Banaszewski home on two separate occasions, but claimed not to report the abuse. Because they feared for their own lives. They were scared of this woman. Seriously, what the fuck? Yeah. Jenny was threatened, bullied, and beaten by the Beneshevskis and neighbor girls alike. And so she refused to go to the authorities because of that. So that's the younger daughter. Yeah. The abuse of Sylvia continued unhindered. And at one point, she told her sister, I'm going to die. She told her this three days before she actually died. She said, I can tell. Gertrude could tell too. And so she forced Sylvia to write a note in which she told her parents that she'd run away. Sylvia was also forced to write that she'd met up with a group of boys and given them sexual favors. And afterward, they'd beaten her and mutilated her body. Shortly after this, Sylvia overheard Gertrude tell her children that she was going to take Sylvia to a forest and leave her there to die. 
A desperate Sylvia Likens attempted one final escape. She managed to get out the front door before Gertrude caught her. Sylvia was so weak from her injuries, she could not have possibly gotten too far. With the assistance of a neighborhood boy named Coy Hubbard, Gertrude beat Sylvia with a curtain rod until she fell unconscious. Then, when she came back to... Gertrude stomped on Sylvia's head. So, yeah, she waited for her to come back to being conscious and yeah, then did it. Just because to that, stomp on her head. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, why do that while she's unconscious? Why do it at all? But Jesus Christ. Yeah. So one little thing I left out because, you know, she's like super malnourished. Mm-hmm. And I know I like mentioned making her eat like the right. diaper. But it got to the point where they wouldn't even give her food. She had to just eat her own feces and that's all she was getting so yeah so this poor girl and this all happened in a matter of three months three months yeah and that's how i'm sure that felt like a lifetime to her oh Oh my god absolutely oh my god i can't like this is like the most evil person i think we've ever talked about on this show this is just straight up evil right it blows my mind I mean, we've talked about some horrible, horrible people on here. Right. Did some terrible things. I mean, Junko Faruda's story, right? That's that's Ooh. a horrifying story. <laughs> but I think that this this one is and like, getting, tops but, that. But the difference in those, even though they are horrific in their own right, I mean, those were teenage boys, right? Yeah. Who obviously went in and did this. They were already in like right. gangs and whatnot. Yeah, they were. Delinquent. These are fucking kids. Being pressured to do this and by an adult lies by an adult. Yeah, yeah. It like oh she she called your mom a whore. Go kick her ass. Yeah, I mean it's hard to blame the kids in this because it she's is. the one that's encouraging all of this. Right. And kids are well and, moldable and that and way. Kids and will shit. jump on the bandwagon. Oh, of course it's like, they will. Well, I mean all these other kids are doing it. I mean right. This girl's obviously terrible. <sighs> you know, like yeah. I, I don't blame the kids at all no. i mean maybe like i don't know i feel like the maybe oldest the 17 year old yeah the old you know the, the, the i don't know the teenagers. i kind of agree and disagree on that i mean i feel like someone should have said something no yeah i agree oh, that somebody sure. but well they were all told though that she was a terrible girl you know and she deserved this yeah so i don't know i i i ugh. It's just, it's amazing to me that so many people went along with this woman and didn't even question it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, like, and I'm glad that you said the three-month thing, because I was wondering, like, how long three was this? months. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. All right. So, on October 26, 1965, Sylvia finally submitted to her injuries and died. She was only 16 years old. That's a kindness for her yeah. at this point. Jeez. 15-year-old Stephanie Banaszewski and Richard Hobbs found her body. Stephanie tried to give her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, but Gertrude shouted at them, telling them Sylvia was just faking it. But she wasn't faking it, and when Gertrude realized this, she sent Richard to call the police from a nearby payphone. Quickly, they put Sylvia in a bath and washed her up before redressing her and placing her back on her mattress. When police arrived, she handed them the letter that she had forced Sylvia to write while she and the children related the story they had created. Sylvia was uncontrollable and promiscuous. 
She stated that Sylvia returned to the house after a sex session with a gang of boys who then followed her back to the house, mutilated her, and killed her. Jenny, though, took her chance. As soon as she could get close enough to the police officers, she whispered, Get me out of here and I will tell you everything. Mm-hmm. The police arrested Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John Jr., and Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard for murder. Neighborhood participants Mike Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and Anna Sisko were also arrested for injury to person. These minors would later blame Gertrude for being pres- for being pressured to take part in the slaughter of Sylvia Likens. Gertrude herself pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Her defense would say she's not responsible because she's not all there. Uh Uh-huh. For three months. For three months. Yeah. Yeah. So if she's not all there, why the hell is she okay to take care of her own seven children? Right. Right, Exactly. Like, come on. I I don't see that one holding up too well in court. Yeah. There were several more children involved who proved just too young to be charged. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, she was getting a gang of children from around the neighborhood, yeah. it sounds like. so. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like... I, yeah. Ultimately, though, on May 19th, 1966, Gertrude was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life imprisonment. She was spared the death penalty despite her own lawyer admitting that, quote unquote, in my opinion, she ought to go to the electric chair. Her uh-huh. lawyer said this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's a shitty lawyer, but, you know, hey. <laughs> well, that's a good lawyer. Well, okay. Honest. It's an honest lawyer, yeah. which is an oxymoron, but, man. Yeah. Paula Banashevsky, who had given birth to her daughter during the trial, was convicted of second-degree murder and was also sentenced to life imprisonment. Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John Jr. were all convicted of manslaughter and were each given two two to 21-year prison sentence based on the fact that they were all minors. Yeah. The three boys were all paroled just two years later in 1968. Hmm. Gertrude spent 20 years behind bars. There was no question about her guilt. The autopsy backed up everything Jenny told the police. Sylvia Likens had died slowly and painfully over the several months. Another thing the autopsy revealed, obviously, her genitals were so mutilated and so swollen. But, like, her hymen and everything was still intact and she was still a virgin. So all the whole prostitute things and all that. Yeah, total bullshit. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, not that any of us are believing that anyway. Yeah. But, you know, it's just further, it's just like, oh my God, this poor girl. In 1971, both Gertrude and Paula were retried to the result that Gertrude was again found guilty. Paula pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter and was sentenced to 2 to 21 years. She once even managed to escape despite being recaptured. After about eight years behind bars, Paula was released, and she moved to Iowa, where she changed her name and became a teacher's aide. She was suspended from her position when, in 2012, an anonymous caller tipped off the school district that Paula had once been convicted of the death of 16-year-old Sylvia Likens. Yeah, she should not be allowed anywhere near children. No, no. 
Hell no. Gertrude Banaszewski was granted parole on good behavior on December 4th, 1985. Jenny and a whole crowd of people picketed outside the prison to protest her release, but it was no use and Banaszewski was set free. The only relief Jenny received came five years after Gertrude's release when the murderess died of lung cancer. Jenny wrote to her mother and said, some good news. Damn old Gertrude died. Ha ha ha. I'm happy about that. You know, it sounds really bad to say this, but it's one of the few times that I'm glad that somebody got cancer. Yeah. You know, it's just... Yep. Ugh. Yeah. And I hope it was long and fucking painful, too. Just what a oh, yeah. horrible person. It's just... Uh, So, Jenny never did blame her parents for what happened to her sister. She said at one point that my mom was a really good mom. The only thing she ever did wrong was trust Gertrude. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, you know, speaking of, like, people dying, it's really interesting because you look into, like, all of the kids that were involved in this. Yeah. And almost all of them died really young. Not say, I mean, it's obviously coincidental yeah but it kind of a curse yeah or karma motherfuckers yeah but no i mean it's just interesting because a lot of them died like in their early 40s Hmm. of cancer and i mean i'm guessing cancer around in the family granted everybody back then smoked like you know like a chimney but so but i did think that was kind of interesting that like all like even the boyfriend and like the neighborhood kids almost all of them died really early deaths that is weird. Kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm really torn on how to feel about the kids who participated. <sighs> Just, like, I'm sorry, but I know even by the age 12. Yeah, I 12 and older, right you know wrong. what's going yeah. on. Any, it, but, uh, younger than 12, okay, yeah. You, you, but I still you can be easily ma- you manipulated. Be, yeah. yeah. Told lies and been, you know, well, they called your mom a whore. Yeah. But that's oh, why I said. Are you going to stand for that? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's why I said I had mixed feelings on it. Yeah. yeah. I just, I like, I, I don't believe for a second, you know, like the 12 year old making her eat the poopy yeah. diapers. Like, yeah. You know that's not okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like, at a certain point, yeah, the kids are just on the bandwagon. Oh, now, for sure. They've got they the a mindset. punching bag. Yeah, exactly. And, like, it, and it's okay? It's what? fine. Oh, oh, we get to... And you know, a lot of, you know, kids by, like, naturally kind of have a bullying instinct. Yeah. A lot of kids do, and they grow out of it. But, like, oh, here's someone for you to bully, free of charge. Go for exactly. it. Exactly. You're, you're releasing all of their inner id or yeah. whatever you know that just wants to do so. terrible things that everybody has in them but you know right. better consciousness no i can't but do yeah, that, that right. also comes up with we've talked about before like upbringing yeah. knowing what's right and wrong right like Oof. that's why i said i have mixed feelings right. on it on hatred and like eh, i don't know your your full story like paula right. though is in my opinion Polly. no Polly. excuse me yeah no better than her mother no. so oh yeah, no. Uh-uh. Uh, ay, ay, ay. So, Sylvia Likens was buried in the Oak Hill Cemetery in Lebanon, Indiana. And in June 2001, a six-foot-tall block of granite was dedicated as a memorial to Sylvia in Willard Park. Good. Oh, nice. That's nice. So, yeah, I mean, just a really, really tough story. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I just... The horror that that poor girl went through, it's just... It's sickening. It's, it's sickening. 
Yeah, it's. Ugh. It really is. One I mean, of like I said, most... this I, I compare this to the Junko Faruda case. Yeah, absolutely. That oh my god, it's just disgusting in its own right. You know, it, what happened to, to that poor girl. Just and, terrible. I, but I think what pushes it over is the fact that this is a mother with her children, yeah. encouraging children to do it. Right. And I think that's what pushes it over for me the over the, the, the Junko story. Um, I can't remember her name, but the the title of it in our episodes is the hello kitty back oh yeah mm-hmm. well that, yeah, they were she, triad or, yeah where uh, she was also forced to like eat her own yeah, yeah. stuff yeah that was in hong kong wasn't yeah. it or something like that yeah yeah, yeah i just uh, also there is two movies about this um oh, yeah I, I i go ahead i oh, can't i didn't write no no, down no. um one ellen page i believe is in oh really and that was an american crime and then the other one is called the girl next door Yes, wow. that one I remember. I I pit. You know what's funny is yeah, you, know, you try to picture people as you're mm-hmm. telling the story and whatever. And I picture her as kind of a mousy young yeah. girl, and I'm like, oh wow, the, yeah, Ellen Page fits that uh-huh. yeah, she perfectly. Plays so just, yeah, just timid and mousy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So such a sad story, Christina. Thank you so much for your request. Yeah, that was a that was a, a, a fantastic Oof. patron suggestion. As hard as it was to hear. I'm, it's a story that needs to be absolutely. told. Absolutely. I'm, I'm surprised. I like, I mean, not saying like I know everything because I most <laughs> certainly do not, but I've never even heard of this before. Yeah. You know, I really and, wasn't familiar with it until like a few weeks ago, actually. And it, it's kind yeah. of funny because, you know, we have a list of all of our patron things. And I thought that it was, yeah, one that I was going to be doing. You know, yeah. Because we have them all laid out. Or Harry just, came in like a few weeks ago and he's like, Have you heard of this? I was yeah. like, Yeah. This is disgusting. Yeah. yeah and I didn't even look terrible look that much into it so and i'm glad i I didn't (laughs) to be honest like there were more things that were done to this girl that i didn't oh i'm sure mention you know yeah absolutely wow uh, well good job sarah yeah Uh tough story so the lesson is teach your kids to talk to you openly and know what's right and wrong absolutely and don't leave your kid with crazy bitches well they didn't know she was a crazy they bitch know. they were desperate for someone to watch them Hell, in fact they probably looked at it more as doing her a favor in getting right? her the 20 bucks a week and all mm. of that so anyway <sighs> all right you guys on that note happy birthday Thank happy you. birthday eric <laughs> on a good note <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you were born oh i'm glad you were born too most oh, of the time i thought i Just get it <laughs> no i get it i get it I'm a pain in the ass. (laughs) All right, birthday boy, say bye. 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 Bye.